Zoe MD Podcast, where we explore topics about work and wellness to help you thrive on and off the job. Join me, obesity medicine physician, Dr. Michelle Johnson, to learn the science behind getting well and staying well. This podcast will focus on navigating the health challenges of the workplace, reclaiming control over your health, and living the complete life you desire. Welcome again to Zoe MD. Dr. Jess Daigle is a board-certified pediatrician with a focus in neonatal medicine. She received her doctorate of medicine at Louisiana State University, completed her pediatric residency at Morehouse School of Medicine, and received extra training in neonatal perinatal medicine at the University of Maryland Medical Center. She now proudly serves as a neonatal hospitalist and the medical director for the Level 2 NICU at Wellstar Spalding Regional Hospital in Griffin, Georgia. Dr. Daigle is a mom of two prior preterm infants, and due to her own postpartum journeys, she founded Mom and Me by Jess Daigle, MD, an in-home virtual postpartum care service designed to ease the transition from birth to home for new moms, NICU moms, and their babies. She helps these moms adjust to being home with new babies and reduce the overwhelm, anxiety, and guilt that comes. She provides real-time counsel, education, and reassurance so they can thrive, not just survive, during their postpartum journey. Please welcome Dr. Jess Daigle. So I am a board-certified pediatrician and a NICU hospitalist. So all day, every day, I take care of babies and their families. And it's something that started ever since I was small. I've always just been fascinated by other little people, which is interesting because when I was little, obviously, it's like, how are you worried about other little people? But at one point thought I would go into child psychology because I've always just been fascinated with how people learn and why people do things they do. And and then I ended up reading this book called The Long Dying of Baby Andrew. And it was this family that had a preterm infant and their struggle with the hospital system. This was like in the 70s. The book was written at least. And that was when a lot of premature care was kind of turning the corner, like babies were like, hey, babies can live a little bit longer with this medicine cost surfactant. And so the doctors in that story were trying to do like f- perform heroics, like save this 20, I think it was like 22 or 23 week or so um, baby. And the family just wanted their baby to be able to die in peace. Like they didn't want, you know, the baby to be poked at and all these different things tried and just thought, hey, let me just kind of live with my baby, you know, have my baby and allow them to go naturally. And so I I thought that was very fascinating, actually, like, and I started to just kind of wonder about what was the right thing in that instance, like, you know, as doctors, we want to do no harm and we're all about life, right? But then that question brought up quality and of life. And so I was like, I'm gonna go save the babies. Like that was my thing. And so I did some research. I was like, well, what kind of doctor takes care of a baby? I think it might have been in the book, like the word neonatology, but I ended up researching it and finding this website called Neonatology on the Web. And they said, they walk you through all the path of like going to med school, you know, you have to go to college, then med school, then residency, and then fellowship. And so I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a baby doctor. So I set myself on that path. 
And I went to fellowship for neonatology, which is like extra training to take care of premature sick infants. But then I ended up having to leave fellowship. I had my own preterm infant prior to going into fellowship, which was a very interesting experience, like professionally doing it and then being on the personal side of that. And it didn't really occur to me how much of a transition I was undergoing. I ended up really being separated from my son because my husband was also working like back home in Louisiana where we were from with his business. And so he kept my son with him. And so I was in fellowship by myself. And that was mentally hard for me. Like I felt like a bad mom for pursuing this training and not having my baby, you know, with me and taking care of him. And so I resigned from fellowship and I ended up finding a job in the NICU in uh, a little bit south of Atlanta, which was like awesome because I was like, hey, I'm getting to do the work that I enjoy just on a smaller scale. So in level one, level two instead of level three. And I get to be with my family. So me, my husband and my son, we were reconnected. And so that's where I've been the last six years. But then I was just still had this yearning for more. Like I've always had families that wanted to follow with me when they leave the hospital. And I was like, well, no, I only work here in the hospital. And then I started to think, well, why couldn't I like see families in an outpatient setting? You know, like that's how it used to be back in the day. Like you arrived in the hospital and then you went to your clinic. And it's still like that in some more rural areas where they don't have the resources for there to be like a hospitalist and then like a clinic doctor. And so I came up, I, it went through a couple of different transitions of names, right? Like trying to think, well, what, what could I do? What could I do that's still true to just working with focusing on moms and babies? Because, you know, there are traditional pediatrician clinics that you see the baby from zero to 18, you know, the kids to 18. But I really wanted to focus and niche down to that baby and that postpartum, that maternal phase, which is called that fourth trimester. And so I thought, who is my, who are the people I'm focusing on? The mom and the baby. And so that's where mom and me come from, like almost from a baby perspective, like, you know, taking care of me and my mom. And so that's how mom and me came to be. Oh, that's an amazing story. I love that story. (laughs) And so, you know, having newborn, having a baby in terms of work, what do you find are the biggest challenges to people returning to work after having a newborn? I think the biggest challenges is twofold. One is, uh, which is probably what all of us parents deal with, is childcare concerns. And the second is that mom guilt that comes on of I'm leaving my baby. And so the first one kind of, they're connected in a way because you, you see two different types of people. Like (laughs) there are the ones that like recognize that they need a break. You know, I love my kids and everything, but I do need some time away for perspective. And I see that a lot in like the mom groups I'm in. And then there are the ones that have extreme guilt feeling like, well, they're supposed to want to be around their babies all the time. And so then why don't they feel that way? And then couple that with you have the responsibility in a lot of families of sometimes these moms were the sole provider in their families. Like there may not be a dad around or a partner or even any family. A lot of families are having babies in isolation, meaning they've moved here or there and majority of their main family or their circle is back somewhere else. And so then but now you're on the only person you can rely on for your well-being and, and getting the things you need at your house. So I had already take off time to have my baby. And like now my job, you know, in order to keep my job, now I need to go back to work. And then 
add on top of that, now I have to still, someone still has to be with my baby and now I have to factor in childcare. What's the right place? Is the, Are they going to treat my baby the way I would treat my baby? Is it safe? And so then you're in that cycle worrying about that. And then that it kind of impacts you feeling guilty just because you wish that you could just stay home with them sometimes. And then sometimes you still don't feel like it either. <laughs> right. So you see how it keeps, it kind of ends up being connected because it really just depends on what, are, what did you envision yourself as like as a mother? And, and I think that a lot of people don't really take the time or even know. I know I really didn't think about. I knew that I would need child care because I knew my circumstances. I was a resident when I was when I got pregnant. And so I knew I was going to have to finish my training. And, and so I, I knew I would have to go back. But I didn't realize how stressed out I would feel about it. It's like the idea there. But then the process is so overwhelming. <laughs> I, you know, I, I had different people watching my kids. Like sometimes it was like someone we knew from work. Some of my resident friends helped. And then my son was preterm when he came home. And so he had to be go back on feeding tubes so and be NG fed at home. And so teaching them how to work the pump, making sure they were going to mix the formula right. Oh, my God. Like thinking back to that time, I, I'm just so grateful I made it through. <laughs> it was a mess. And then and then I, I and then I, too, felt guilty. Then I'm like, should I have been having kids while I was in residency? Right. Because you think that there's like an ideal time to have a kid. But I've come to realize there's really no ideal time to have a kid. You just make the time and then you manage the issues that come up along the way. <laughs> oh, so, I got- yeah, so th- that's, that's the biggest thing is the child care and that mom guilt of separation are the biggest things that people have a problem with when it was regarding going back to work. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that that whole transition with work and having a newborn is really hard to juggle, especially with your situation where you're having all these other things that we don't consider. And so what are your top recommendations for people uh, returning to work after having a newborn? It's interesting that you asked that because one of uh, a client that I helped with uh, some breastfeeding concerns she had, she posted about her returning back to work and how family and friends had rallied around to send her, like the people at her job had had pictures of her baby posted around the job with like little hearts and like little moments of things that she had shared and how that made her feel so like like not alone and encouraged and happy. Like, you know what, like her baby was there with her in a way, like almost like a tangible reminder that this is who I'm also doing this for, right? So I thought like, that is such a neat idea. And so I think that pre, I think a lot of the preparation for after you've had the baby begins during pregnancy. And I don't, I don't think we do a good enough job of telling people what lies ahead, right? Like I, I say, having a baby is a journey, you know, and you'd like need to be a guide and that's what I want to do for families. And so really it begins soon as you find out you're pregnant, we focus a little bit more on the pregnancy things or like the things that are like the cutesy things, like getting a crib and what color am I going to paint the nursery and what am I going to name the baby and all of that fun, fun stuff. And some of the like hard work things sometimes get pushed behind, you know, and which are the things that need to be factored in too. So yes, that's fine too, to think of those things, but it's also good to start thinking of a postpartum plan. Like, okay, 
what is my return to work plan? What are my, what's my budget? What is my financial situation? You know, how, what can I do to extend out as far as I can financially to not work? Or is there something I could be doing right now while I'm pregnant to be saving for when I'm postpartum to delay my work? What does my current job allow, right? Because there are different the different benefits at different jobs regarding returning to work. And I think that's something that this country needs to, to do better in other countries. You know, people can just be off and paid and supported. And <laughs> over here, you have a baby. They're like, when are you coming back? <laughs> Your baby's cute, but um, are you going to be able to work next week? And you're like, oh, can I, can I please like enjoy my child? That's and true. so I think the, I think that is, I'm on this mission at, and it's going to be in every podcast that, that I do, <laughs> is to normalize and strategize. So part of it is knowing that this is something you're going to have to tackle. This is a question you're going to have to answer. It's no like hiding your head in the sand, right? And pushing it away doesn't change that you're going to have to ask yourself these questions and plan. Because when we don't plan and then it happens, that's when that overwhelm comes in because, it was going to happen, but we didn't look ahead. It's kind of like having insurance, right? You know, there's the potential that you know you will die, that you'll be in a car accident, that your house can do this, but you get insurance so that in the event of a uh, an occurrence, you have some protection. And so, doing a postpartum plan, like for me, it's like that. Like it's like a mental protection for yourself. Like, what will I do about childcare? Well, can I return to work? What is my support system? I think all of these things have to be factored into to make it more successful. Because the reality is you're going to go through the transition, but you can be armored with things that are make it a little bit smoother for you or make you feel a little bit more control. Well, thank you so much. That was really helpful. I think it's, I, I love the thought of kind of getting a plan before the baby's here. Like we yeah. do all, you're right. We do all these other things and yes, we, we forget about the, <laughs> the hard work things. It's just fun. And, and not to take away from, you want to enjoy the moment, but then because I see the back end, it's kind of like they say that hindsight is 2020. It's like, I see a lot of these things. Like, I wish I knew this, before, you know, when I had my baby and it's so we should take from the experience of other things, what are some of these seasoned moms saying they wish they knew, okay, that's our opportunity to help our new moms say, hey, you know, we've been there and this was not the way we wanted it to go. So, hey, if you can get this done or you can have this in place or figure this out ahead of time, it'll make it a little bit easier on you. And, and that's what we should be doing. Like, that's what our life should be about anyway, is trying to make the path better for those who come after us. <laughs> I do like that, too. I really, because, you know, with the uh, police and the fire and the first responders I work with, it's really interesting because their job is so niched. You do have to talk to someone who has gone through this path before you. So I really love that idea of saying, hey, talk to someone who has done this before yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, it's important. It's important because it's not, it's, I, I, even in the NICU and when I'm talking with families, I, I don't like for people to be stuck. Like, that, I, I don't like to see people stuck. I like them to feel like they have what it takes to keep going and move forward. And that comes with, you know, accepting something about a situation, but knowing that it can be better with education and, and support. And that's most, that's like almost everything that you go through because we're all going through this life in different ways. If it's not, you're being a mom, it's you're being a dad, it's you're being a spouse or whatever. It, every Every role that you have in your life needs some amount of 
self-awareness and reflection and preparation for you to be the best at it. <laughs> oh, great. So I, I, I feel less overwhelmed as a mom so talking to you. So Good. I would, people- that's what I want because it is overwhelming, but you don't have to let it be, right? Because the only other option, the only other alternative is just not to be a mom. And that's no fun either, right? Like that's going to stop every, that's going to stop the population. You don't have no people without no mamas. That's true. <laughs> I feel like you need to be in everyone's sphere. So how can people connect with you? <laughs> well, I am on Instagram at, at mom and me underscore MD. And I just finally put a domain to my landing page. So it's www.momandmemd.com slash stop overwhelm because that is my mission to stop overwhelm. You know, I want to help moms to overcome overwhelm and, and embrace their motherhood, like, you know, because it, it, it can be fun. Like, I love hanging out with my kids and their antics and and even things that drive you crazy. Like, I love that shared experience of it, like being able to talk to other moms, like, you know what my son said to me? And, you know, and, and other people being like, yeah, they told me that craziness too or whatever. Like, that makes it fun, right? Because we're all going through different things in life and to be able to talk with someone about it, it makes it just a little bit better, you know? And so I have a, if, if people head over to that site, I have, and they can sign up and subscribe to my email list. I also will send them a PDF of five ways to overcome overwhelm and I call it own it. And oh. so, yeah, because <laughs> you want to own it. You don't want it to own you. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah. So that, and then um, just on Facebook, I'm just at Just Daigle. Just, that's my name. Yeah. So thank you so much. Everything will be in the show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Dr. Daigle. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me.